Welcome to Chapter by Chapter. I'm your host, Brian Thomas Krop, and I believe that stories have a tremendous power for good, and so I write them, and I enjoy sharing them with you. And if you are new to the podcast, uh, welcome. Uh, how we do this is in just a moment, you're going to hear another chapter from uh, a book that I have written called Shell Game. We read a chapter at a time, thus the title, chapter by chapter. And then on the other side of the chapter, go into a little bit of either how the story was written, any Easter eggs that I may have put in there, or anything that may be of interest uh, to you if you, like me, are very into how things get made. And um, I remember as a kid, uh, they put, it was not long after uh, Star Wars came out, and they put all the behind the scenes, how the movie was made, uh, documentaries on television because there was no such thing as streaming at the time. And it was just so fascinating to see how the lightsaber sound was made, how uh, the masks for the cantina scene were made, uh, just all the stuff. Um, it was just so fascinating. And that uh, really uh, fueled my love for storytelling and my love for uh movie making and playwriting and book writing and all that stuff. Um, just kind of getting into the behind the scenes on how things get made. So if you're like that, this is a great show for you. And we will uh, get into some of the behind the scenes stuff on chapter eight of Shell Game. Uh, but first, I want to tell you where we are in the story. Uh, you can hop back to... Um, uh, chapter one in uh, this show and get up to speed. You could also go to BrianThomasCrop.com and you can read the whole book for yourself for free. Uh, I also have it at Amazon if you'd like to read it that way as well. Um, but we're at chapter eight. And so far, our hero of the book, his name is Evan Gold, and he's a private detective in a small Kansas town, and this is roughly 19, early 1960s, and he and his partner were um, trying to find this uh, wandering father. This daughter had come in and said, hey, can you find my dad? He's gone missing, and they were going to go find him. In the meantime, um, while they were trying to find him, Evan has tripped across a giant bag of probably cheap jewelry. He got it from a bazaar in town, and uh, there is a pearl pendant in there that he thinks is slightly interesting, but he doesn't know if the bag is valuable at all. And uh, his marriage is also falling apart. He's having a bad time, Evan Gold. Um, but then on the night of uh, trying to track down this missing uh, father, uh, Evan Gold's uh, partner gets killed. So now we're in uh, a state of trying to find who is the guy or gal who killed Evan's uh, partner. And in this chapter, we have uh, some police who also are trying to solve that problem and come to Evan with some very significant questions. So uh, I'm glad that you are here for the ride and you will get to hear chapter eight from Shell Game right after we hear from this week's sponsors. This episode is also sponsored by Showdown in the Yukon, the first book in the Pearl Saga. It is a story of Monterey Jack Danvers, who is a reformed pickpocket who is hired by his old partner in crime to help rescue a uh, stolen 
gold claim up in the Yukon Territory for a widow. He also finds the widow's daughter quite attractive, and that helps him go on this adventure that takes him on uh, stormy seas, through caves, through forest fires, and being hunted down um, in forests, and all kinds of uh, great adventure. And the big question is, Will they be able to uh, rescue this gold mine, uh, this gold claim back from the evil man who uh, took it from this poor widow woman? And then what kind of man does Monterey Jack Danvers turn into by the end of uh, the story? It is also the prelude to uh, Shell Game Part 2 of the Pearl Saga. And you can find Showdown in the Yukon at amazon.com. You can also find the links uh, to that over at briantomascrop.com. Chapter 8. Outside his apartment building, Evan spied two men standing by the front door. They stood under a street lamp, giving Evan plenty of opportunity to get a beat on them before the fog made him visible. The first man leaned all his weight on the lamppost and stared at his shoes. The other man paced like a frustrated wild cat ready to pounce at the first opportunity. Evan made out the first man to be Lieutenant Steve Abrams of the Athens Police Department, but he had difficulty identifying the second man. The second man carried his hat in his hand, sported a close military-style flat top, and looked carved out of granite. What the police could want with him at this hour was beyond him. Gabe was dead, and he didn't think it necessary to call in the break-in at the office, at least not until the sun got up. The two men focused their gaze in Evan's direction once he was within ten yards of them. "'Good morning, Evan.' It was Lieutenant Abrams who spoke first when Evan was close enough. Evan finally recognized the other detective. He stabbed Evan with steel-gray eyes and a smirk. Evan immediately wanted to sock him in the jaw. Do you guys ever go home? I mean, I know Athens ain't huge, but didn't I just see you over at Memorial Bridge with my ex-partner? Evan said as he sized up the two detectives. This is Lieutenant Robert Short, Abrams began hooking a thumb at the second man. Oh, he knows me, Steve, Short said. He may want to forget me, though. How's the wife and kids, Bobby? Evan said. We can cut the chit-chat, Gold, Short said. Mind letting us in? Maybe, Evan said. The maid hasn't been by, though. Is it something that can wait? We have some questions for you, Evan, said Abrams. We don't want to disturb you. Evan laughed to himself. (laughs) And yet, here you are. Evan looked at his watch in the entrance's light. Truth is, fellas, it's almost five in the morning and I'd like to catch some winks. You know how it is. It's been a long day already and I have a lot on my mind. You sure this can't wait a couple hours? I promise Evan will be in and out. Ten minutes tops, Abram said. Ten minutes, huh? Evan mumbled and then fished for his keys. Okay, but keep it down. I got a neighbor lady who likes to talk. He walked the detectives up to his place, unlocked the door, and let them in. Evan flipped on the light. The place was minimal, just the necessary furniture to entertain the occasional client, suspect, or police interrogation. No frills, no clutter. He didn't want to make the place so cozy it would be hard for him to leave if he worked things out with Catherine. Sorry, gentlemen, I don't have some refreshments to offer you. As I said, it's been a busy day. Evan slipped his hands in his pockets. How can I help you? 
We just have a couple of questions. This won't take long, began Abrams. Ten minutes, reminded Evan. He kept staring at Short, the angular detective's unblinking stare fixed on Evan. Evan observed the rippling muscles of Short's jaw as it clenched and relaxed. Something was up, and he started to suspect that this was not going to be a friendly visit. Had a chance to call Mrs. Silver yet, Evan? asked Abrams. What's it to you? asked Evan with a smile. Gabe will still be dead in the morning. Might as well give her one last good night of sleep. How do you think she's going to take it? Abrams asked. The news, I mean. Lieutenant Short moved around the small apartment. Evan rotated his stance so he could keep both men in his vision. Not well, Evan said. Short acted as though he was looking for something specific. What kind of gun do you carry? Abrams asked. I don't, Evan said. They tend to go off at unfortunate times and generally make a nuisance of themselves. Have a few in a safe at the office, though. I'd like to see one, Abrams said. For comparison. You sure you don't have one around here tucked away? I'm sure, Evan said. But I'd be happy to have you over to my office and have a look-see. Then he added, with a warrant, naturally. Comparison to what, exactly? Abrams smiled politely before shifting his glance over to Short. You want to tell me why you two are really here? You're stalling for something, Evan said. And, Steve, I don't appreciate that you brought this hot head to come along with you. You and me, Steve, we could have a nice civil conversation. And yet, here's this guy. I might start to think you want to intimidate me. Listen here, you police academy washout, Short started finally giving up his mysterious search. Hold on, Abrams held up a hand to Short. He spoke pleadingly to Evan. Now you gotta level with me, Evan. We're all on the same team. We don't want any trouble. Remember, we're the good guys. Uh-huh, said Evan. I think you best remind your partner over there. You said Gabe was on a case tailing a guy, a missing person, right? Asked Abrams. What of it? Asked Evan. We want to know more about him. You must know more than you're telling us. You, you gotta help us out, Evan. You know how fast cases get cold. Even if I did know more, and I'm not saying I do or I don't, why would I tell you? If I know anything, it's because I worked for the information. You expect me just to tell you? What is this about? The man's still going to be missing, and we could get some sleep before we track him down. The early hour and the short night started to take their toll. If he didn't make it to bed, Evan knew he might end up in jail for saying the wrong thing at the wrong time. I told you this would happen, taunted Short, nodding his chin at Evan. Didn't I tell you? I told you on your last day in the academy that you were going to make a mess of your life. Now look at you, living like this, wife and you on the skids. No one's perfect, Gold pressed his lips together. Fellas, Abram said, putting his arms out to both men to settle the brewing storm. I'll ask again. Stop swinging around the mulberry bush and tell me what this is about, Evan said, still eyeing Short. Look, I'll make this simple. You ever heard of a guy named Jason Charles? Short took a step toward Evan. Maybe, Evan said. What if I have? Short took another step toward Evan. What does it matter, Evan said, not budging. We got a call, not more than a half hour after you left Memorial Bridge. Turns out a man I've never laid eyes on gets gunned down at the bandstand at Fremont Park. Name in his wallet is Jason Charles. A room key tells us he's staying at the Broadway. Now, you know and I know. Athens gets maybe one homicide a year. 
for there to be two men shot on the same night makes me think they might be related to one another. Makes me think Gabe was keeping an eye on Jason Charles and things must have gone south. You, at this, Short almost poked Evan in the chest. Put two and two together. Track Charles for yourself and take care of business. How's that sound? What makes you reach such a harebrained conclusion, Evan said. I'm glad you asked, Short continued. Lieutenant Abrams here calls you down to the bridge as a courtesy, because Silver was your partner and all. And while there, you tell him you don't want to pay your respects to the deceased, which, frankly, seems a little cold since you work together so closely. A man can't grieve in his way, Evan asked. Then, said Short, ignoring him. We get the call about Charles, which, if I do my math right, if you hoofed it over to Gabe's house to inform the wife and then made it back here, there's still a good 15 minutes unaccounted for. The Broadway ain't that far from Silver's Widow. So, with almost nothing concrete to work from, you just assume I kill a guy in cold blood? Evans said. His neck and face started to turn the color of violence. Short stepped closer till Evan could feel Short's breath on his face. You were just a little too eager to get away from the bridge. Didn't want to pay your respects. Hold on, Bobby. It wasn't quite like that, said Abrams. Short continued. So, being compassionate public servants, we do what we need to do to finish up at the bridge before paying our respects to Silver's widow. When we get there... There's your secretary consoling the devastated Mrs. Silver. I called and sent her over, said Evan. So what was all that earlier about wanting Mrs. Silver to have one last night of good sleep? You haven't been shooting straight with us, Gold. Evan held his ground as he continued his theory. Now, with this new information, if I work the time from when you left the bridge to make the call to your girl and walk back here... I got even more time left on the clock, about 30 minutes. You're right, Athens is not a big place. 30 minutes is plenty of time for you to track down this Charles character and gun him down before showing up here. Why would I do that? asked Evan. Revenge, the man just killed your partner, Short said. Try again, said Evan. I don't carry a gun and you don't even know if the two murders are tied together. I'm sorry I didn't get all broken up when I heard about Gabe. Gabe and I weren't that close. Besides, we're in a dangerous line of work. Sometimes things happen. You gotta take it as a matter of course. So where were you those 30 minutes? Short asked. Walking, said Evan. Where? returned Short. Logan Avenue, East Street, said Evan. I told you, I have a lot on my mind. Walking helps me think. Anyone see you? asked Short. How should I know, said Evan. Evan laughed. <laughs> you guys are fishing. You don't have a case and you're hoping I'll trip over something you can hang around my neck. I don't appreciate this, Steve. I think you're being played by Bobby here. Evan nodded to Short. One thing you might not know about Detective Short and me. Yeah, we were in the academy together. Yeah, I stepped out before graduating. But what you may not know is the only reason Bobby here finished top of his class was because I stepped out, leaving the space open. Now he's trying to act like he's better than me. I know where I was and I wasn't killing anyone. You guys meet me at my place, I get nervous. 
I just found out about my partner's untimely demise, and then you tell me just now that the man he was maybe following is also dead. What I still don't understand is why you're here. Why you're not out there digging up all the evidence against me. You got a reputation around town, you know, Gold, said Short. And what is that exactly? asked Evan. Evan looked at Short and then over to Abrams. You gonna put the bracelets on me or not? asked Evan eventually. Neither detective moved. I thought not. Listen, Evan, said Abrams. We're trying to play ball, but you gotta see it from our side. No, I don't. The only side I need to see this from is my own. Now, you can either arrest me or get out of my apartment so that I can get some sleep. Don't be like that, Evan, Abrams said. Evan raised his eyebrows and sighed. Fine. Fine. By the way, how did I kill Mr. Charles? It seems to have escaped my memory. Short said, shot. Four times. In the back, I might add. My guess is from behind the Union Soldier Monument to give you cover. Also, Abrams offered, Charles still had a gun on him, but it wasn't fired. Evan paused a moment and drew his hand up to his face. He rubbed his gritty stubble before saying, What have you found out from the hotel about Charles? Not much, said Abrams. He'd only been there a week, kept to himself. You search his room? Evan asked. Short blew air out between his teeth and shook his head. You think we're rookies? No. I know you boys are doing the best you can, Evan said. What was in the room? Abrams and Short exchanged looks before Abrams said, Nothing much. Lived out of his suitcase from the look of it. He left a lot of junk on the floor, like he was nervous about being snuck upon. Otherwise, empty closets and a few items by the sink for shaving and the like. Evan rubbed his chin a moment longer. He shook his head. Well, I hate to disappoint you, gentlemen, and I'm certain this doesn't count for much, but I've never laid eyes on anyone named Jason Charles. Anything else you want from me better come with a warrant from you and a lawyer with me. Short shook his head. Let's go. Thanks for talking with us, Evan, Abram said. We know this isn't an easy time for you. What are you thanking him for? Short asked Abrams. He got much more information out of us than we did out of him. Bobby turned to Evan. All history aside, Gold, you shoot straight with us and we'll shoot straight with you. When everything shakes out, we'll treat you fairly. I appreciate you saying that, Bobby. I do, said Evan. But if you don't mind, if you're done with your questions, I was serious about the shut-eye. It seems like it's going to be a long day and I need all the beauty sleep I can get. The two officers tipped their hats to Evan and efficiently made their exit. Evan looked at his watch. 5.20. If he worked it right, he could get a solid four hours. Not great, but it was better than nothing. Evan laid on the bed without bothering to change out of his clothes, and within a few seconds, he was sound asleep. So this is an introduction to another police character named Bobby Short. And um, there will be, if you haven't yet read the book, which you should, if you, but you haven't read the book, um, uh, Evan runs into uh, these two police officers quite often. And there's always this good cop, bad cop 
uh, aspect to them. And so we needed to get them introduced uh, rather quickly. And as I was re-listening to this chapter, I was reminded of um, something that I had heard about uh, writing characters that um, I think it, it pertains to this chapter. And if you are um, interested in how books get written or trying to write a book uh, for yourself, this I think is a handy piece of advice. Um, uh, let's get away from a shell game for just a minute and hop over to Harry Potter, which I know of, I have not read. I think I've read the first book. I've not read any of the others cause I'm really a terrible reader, um, of things. Um, but you've got Harry Potter, who is the, uh, the main, uh, character obviously of the Harry Potter series. And, uh, he has the opportunity to, uh, or JK Rowling gave him the opportunity to play around with a lot of different personalities. He can be a little goofy. He can be a little smart. He can be a little arrogant. He can be a little romantic. He can be a lot of different things, but then all of the characters around Harry are one thing. So you've got, um, Malfoy who is just always evil and Hermione, who is always brilliant and Ron, who is always goofy. And, you know, uh, they're just kind of in that space and where that falls in this scene from shell game, um, uh, Evan can kind of be a bunch of different personalities cause he's trying a bunch of things, but then all the characters around him are one thing. So short is always kind of hard edged and accusatory. And Abrams is always very apologetic. And Sophie is always kind of wisecracky and those kinds of things. And some of that is, um, that your main character, well, with all the supporting characters around the main character, they, the supporting characters are all one part of the main character's personality, not in some kind of weird metaphysical sense, but they represent a part of who that main character is. And as the main character is growing and developing and trying to uh, mature over the course of the story, they may try, uh, try on some of those other uh, personality traits. And that's what you're playing with somewhat as a writer, as you're, uh, not just telling a story, but showing some level of character development. Uh, a lot of the characters don't actually develop, but your main character probably needs to. And if your main character doesn't develop, then somebody else does need to. So if you think in terms of, uh, say a James Bond story, James Bond doesn't really develop all that much, but somebody does, uh, the person that he's helping probably does, or, um, this will show my age, but if you watch an old a team episode, the a team doesn't change that much episode to episode, but when they go into the town to help the town from the evil people who are there, they change quite a bit. So you do want some level of change and the supporting characters around whoever the main change person is needs to reflect some of the attributes that that change person is going to need in order uh, to change. Hopefully that didn't get too confusing, but, um, we're going to see this trio, um, go around, uh, several accusations quite a bit. And so I wanted to set that up for you. Um, also, um, a thing that I, it took me forever to learn this in writing plays, uh, but there's this term called dramatic action and I could never quite get a good definition of what dramatic action is until I read, 
Ah, I should have brought it with me. I don't, I don't have this book with me, but there's a, there's a book on playwriting uh, that kind of talk through what dramatic action is and it is not activity. So you can have, uh, say in a play or a movie, you could have characters doing a lot of things, but not move the plot forward. They could be cleaning the apartment, but that doesn't actually get to the saving of the lost gold or whatever. So uh, action is not the same as activity. What dramatic action is, is that uh, character A has a goal, character B has a different goal, and those two goals are in conflict with one another. And it could be the same goal, I guess. You could have both characters want a glass of water and they're gonna, um, you could have them fight physically for that glass of water. You could also have them fight mentally for that uh, glass of water and try to convince the other one why they should get the glass of water, not the other one. Um, but you could also have just um, different goals. So character A wants the glass of water and character B is happy for them to have the glass of water if they will admit that they killed the president or whatever the thing is. So um, the action is who's going to win their goal. And you can kind of go around and around and try different strategies. The characters play different strategies in order to get to their goal. And um, a well done, I'm not saying this chapter is one of those, but I was working towards it. Um, a well done scene would have them try different ways to get to their goal and get blocked and maybe make a little traction forward and then get blocked and, and those kinds of things. So um, both of the police officers uh, they have a goal of, uh, well, I think Short has the goal that um, he wants Evan to admit his guilt in the murder of either uh, his partner Gabe or in Jason Charles or both. Uh, Abrams has the goal of making uh, peace, like he just doesn't want to make enemies with anybody. So he's trying to keep friends with Short and he's trying to stay friends with Evan and not trying to get uh, he wants to get to the bottom of the case, but he's going to be friendly about it the whole time. And then Evan, uh, his goal is to protect all of his information at all costs. So he doesn't give away anything, but he keeps kind of needling the police officers in order to get what they know out of him. And so that creates uh, the action and the tension of the scene. So if you're working on a scene and you just feel like all I'm doing is describing what is happening but I don't, I feel kind of lost, like nothing's moving forward. You might check what are my character's goals and are they in conflict with one another and, and who's winning and who's losing. And that may help uh, with that uh, progress of that chapter uh, that you're writing. Um, so um, that is uh, my handy dandy piece of uh, uh, writing advice for you. You can, uh, I encourage you to go back, reread or re-listen to this uh, episode and see um, uh, what out of that uh, is still true uh, for this. Again, I'm not saying I, I wrote this um, to like master level of dramatic action, but that uh, you might reread that and just kind of like, cause there's not a lot of activity going on. It is just three guys talking. So uh, how do you kind of progress the story through just three guys talking? Uh, you might want to re-listen to that or you could uh, go over to brianthomascrop.com and you could read it for yourself. Chapter eight over on my blog, uh, Shell Game is there for nothing. You could also go to Amazon and pick it up for something. 
That'd be cool. Uh, they've got other books over there, including uh, Showdown in the Yukon, which is part one in the Pearl Saga. We've got another uh, young reader uh, or middle grade uh, series. It's also kind of a crime noir called Casey Jackson in South Acre, and that may be enjoyable for you and possibly for someone um, younger than you that you would like to read it to. That'd be fun. Um, but all the stuff uh, that I have written is over there at Amazon. You can also find links at BrianThomasCrop.com. If you want to stay up to date with me and uh, new releases and those kinds of things, Leave me your email address over at the website and I'll be happy to send you some stories in exchange for that email address. But you'd be, uh, get up to speed with all the new things that are, are coming out in the near future. So uh, uh, I guess an update, I'm in the middle of still writing the first draft of part three of the Pearl Saga and I uh, would encourage any prayers that you have uh, to uh, keep that moving forward. It's going, it is, I think, going well but it's slower than I want. So um, I'm, I'm dealing with my own patience on that. Um, but I'm hoping to uh, get you some more uh, updates on what's going on with part three of the Pearl Saga. And hopefully that can come out in about a year from now. So uh, that's it for uh, this week's episode of Chapter by Chapter. I'm so glad that you were a part of it. And I hope you have a great week. And I hope to see you back here next time. <music>